0: fluffs. Immaculata, immaculata, ora prono, bis immaculata. The singing swelled as the procession proudly marched around the grounds of St. Joseph's Roman Catholic convent, then on into the school and finally came to a halt in the chapel. The white flowers, one for each child, were laid at the altar, The flowers varied in size according to how much money each family had. I would so like to have had a large white lily, like Angela DiRolo, but Amanda and I, my sister, had to make do with a marguerite each. Anyway, it was very exciting. Each child carried a torch, with some crepe-coloured paper round the rim, wore a white frock, and with the white flowers and the whole school involved, it must have looked pretty impressive. After the procession, we raced back to continue our packing, as the next day we were moving to a new house in Trinity Road. The new house had a great garden, with a summer house in it amongst other things, and the house itself had a dummy room, which kept our imaginations at full stretch. Fluffs, said Alan, my little brother, as he surveyed the new room that was to be the nursery, and he tottered off back to the kitchen, clutching a clock to search for my mother. I was used to Alan's language. He called Pudding Toto and said over at the end of every sentence. But Chris, another brother and I, rattled our heads on the pillows each night to go to sleep and said, Do do the cots. So why shouldn't Alan have a language of his own too? The significance of fluffs went unheeded. The new nursery turned out to be a terrific room for us. It was full of odd furniture, excellent for playing pirates which meant you could chase everyone round the room and not touch the floor. There was a big table in the middle where I'd learned to make a paper kettle from the roof at and I remembered trying to boil water in my paper kettle over a candle. It did get warm. The room was great for us, and the nursery door was very, very good for jackknife practice. Do you want an act of Bella, I said to Alan a few days later. This was something I had got into the habit of doing to cheer Alan up. It involved a great deal of activity with Bella, a rag doll, making her go up and down a chair, and was exhausting to do, but it was worth it if it made Alan laugh. He said he would love one. Well, come on, then, I said, leading him to the nursery. The tapeted chair is great for Bella. Alan's face clouded over and he pulled away from me. Fluffs, he said. And the act of Bella had to take place in his room that day. Time went by. My father came home from St Andrew's house and used to get a tennis ball and a walking stick and hit the tennis ball for Ricky, our dog, for half an hour. Ricky loved it and ran like the wind. We discovered we had dry rot. And... Chokes of plaster began to come down as I was getting my bicycle out, followed by Alan's feet coming through the ceiling and screams. We had a wonderful midnight feast, planned with prison camp precision. A piece of string was tied to my big toe, went over the floor, over the chest of drawers, out through the half-open window and down by the front door. The Illingworths and the Pierces came in the middle of the night from as far away as Stirling Road, and pulled the string to wake us up. We assembled in the summer house. It was thrilling. We sat there shivering, eating a penguin biscuit each and going through all the swear words we knew, four in all. And the climax of the feast was to be a tin of peaches, carefully saved with pocket money. Alan did the honors, only to discover it was peach jam. Ricky died of dog paralysis. After a lot of suffering and the indignity of being lifted into the garden all the time for a wee. My friend Margie's sister died of polio, and we wouldn't have known anything about it if my mother hadn't seen it in the death columns of The Scotsman. Margie and I couldn't talk about it because it was too big, and we sat in her room listening to Elvis Presley singing blue suede shoes and played jacks while our mother wept downstairs. The new dog turned out to have a criminal mentality, according to Miss Moody, the vet. He bit everyone in the family for no reason at all. And he also bit Margie, my friend, when she called to take me to a party. And he cornered Hannah Deese, our cleaner, in the nursery behind the sofa and bit her. She was a frail little woman with pebbled glasses and her firm decided to sue us. On his way to be put down, he behaved beautifully wagging his tail and lifting my mother's hand. Greyhound blood said Miss Moody darkly as she led him off. The fact that Alan didn't go into the nursery was never mentioned. Nobody seemed to notice. Even the arrival of Uncle Dory, one of our favourite uncles, didn't help. He brought pop guns with him with reeled corks and we had a wonderful battle in the nursery with the overturned furniture while Alan remained in the kitchen under the guise of mending a clock. On his twelfth birthday, he announced he would go into the nursery. calmly sat down on the sofa after looking carefully at the curtains. I sat down beside him, trying to contain my intense curiosity. What had he seen that was so awful to stop him going into that room for eight years? The room that to me seemed to "'signify the heart of our childhood. "'What was it, Alan?' I said. "'What did you see?' "'Fluffs,' he said. "'Fluffs on the curtains.'